Here is a moment from the novel My Name is Asher Lev by award-winning writer Chaim Potok. Lillian Cream tells us creative sight is the gift of the artist which Asher has possessed from birth. Maturity refines the gift. One day, Asher relates, he began to realize something was happening to my eyes. I could feel with my eyes. I felt myself flooded with the shapes and textures of the world around me. I was seeing with another pair of eyes that had suddenly become aware. Asher is an artist, and there is something of a revelation that he describes here, of the scales falling from his eyes variety, an epiphany. From the title, we get a hint that the story follows Asher on a journey to finding who he is and claiming his identity. My name is Asher Lev. Interestingly, Potok has said that James Joyce was an influence on him as a writer. Joyce, who wrote The Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. Stephen Dedalus, the main character, experiencing revelations in coming to understand who he is as an artist, as Stephen Dedalus. This is music by Olafur Arnolds from Iceland, who has been on a creative journey himself. In Northern Transmissions in 2018, Beth Androlovic spoke with Anders. Remember is a powerful title, she says, evoking the idea of returning to a specific place, time, or emotional state. What role does memory play in the album? He answers, to me, that title's meaning is about becoming oneself again, having true intentions and looking deep for what I really wanted to express with this music. Rememberment is sort of the opposite of dismemberment. She probed further. Your album, Remember, both paints and recalls powerful emotions. Has its production been a cathartic process for you? Or has engaging with the completed version provided more opportunity for personal reflection? He says, It was definitely a heavy process for me creatively. I struggled a lot with it in the beginning and had to, in a way, rethink how I approach the creative process and come to terms with the fact that there is a certain amount of creative blockage needed in order to achieve something which one can be proud of. words of composer Olafur Arnolds. Listen to again what he says there about the album. It was definitely a heavy process for me creatively. I struggled a lot with it in the beginning. We might rephrase that thought in this way. The beginning was hard. Ah, now, we'll find an interesting connection there to a piece by musician and composer Zach Sprouls with the title all beginnings are hard. And he'll tell us the title comes from a novel by Chaim Potok. Remember, we began with a life-changing epiphany described by Potok in his story about an artist named Asher. 
Zach Sprouse will describe for us a life-changing experience, an epiphany he had in listening to the music of Olafur Anders. Zach Sprouse is a Scranton-based pianist and composer who creates his own music and also writes for theater and film. He's taking part in the 2023 Scranton Fringe Festival, and he'll present a show titled All Beginnings Are Hard at the Scranton Cultural Center, September 29th, 30th, and October 1st. Zach paid a visit to the WVIA studios with his keyboard to talk with us about his music. A big piece of this was in my early adulthood, I'd say early to mid-20s, I, I was exposed to the artist Olafur Arnolds from Iceland, and his music literally changed my life. I, I remember hearing it for the first time, and I think it was the first time that I had heard music that was so simple, but yet demanded your attention and drew out of you like a, a depth and an emotion. I mean, for me, I would, I would turn it on in my bedroom. I'd turn all the lights off, close the doors, close the shades, turn it up as loud as I could, and I would just let the music envelop me. And I would turn it up loud enough that I was hearing the, the bow scratch across the strings and hearing all of that emotion and all that rawness in the music. I never experienced anything like that before. And so immediately after becoming introduced to his music, I started writing that way because <laughs> it just affected me so deeply. And so that obviously drew me to more minimalistic type piano writing and then you know writing for strings as well. And the strings are just such an emotive instrument and you get so much color and versatility with the string instrument that I just, you know, I fell in love with the instrument. Even though I don't play it, I just fell in love with all the options at my disposal for writing for them. And in so doing, you are hoping to involve us as listeners as you were involved in that music, not trying to duplicate it, but again, like you at six years old, making the notion that music could be written this way your own. Yeah, I do hope that my my music does for others what Olafur's music in particular, but there's lots of other artists too whose music has done that for me, which is beckons you to listen and not just, you know, dance to it or not just use it as, you know, party music or music in the background while you're studying. You know, there's a place for all of that, but that actually speaks for a part of you that doesn't have words, doesn't have the ability to speak something inside of you that doesn't really have a place to express itself, that finds a place to express itself in my music. And that's what I, you know, that's kind of what I hope my music provides for people and draws out of them as they listen to it. Now, in your bio, we see that your music has been played by the National Symphony Orchestra. By members. By members of, of, the, of yeah. Of the National Tell Symphony Tell us Orchestra. about how you've gotten it out there. Um, so part of my work in the D.C. area is getting to work with the church that's not far side of D.C. And I've worked with this church off and on through the years, and it's enabled me to have opportunities to write music that has gotten played by members of the U.S. Army Strings and National Symphony Orchestra that are part of the church there. And actually, my studio recordings that have strings on them were played by those U.S. Army String members, and I was able to get them in the studio to play my pieces they become friends of mine, and I was able, because of my past experience with them, I was able to write 
my string arrangements with those individual players in mind and that and who are already world class you know some of the best in the country and then sort of getting to write lines that i could picture each individual person playing and knowing they're just going to make it sing like nobody else and in hearing your music performed by that level of interpreter you say i'm getting it i'm getting there oh yeah yeah in the in the studio there were some shivering shiver moments <laughs> there was some tears that came to the eyes especially in particular the second song that i released called i thought i thought i knew i just the timeline of events of my finishing making the song and producing it and everything i hadn't listened to it in i think a couple months since i had recorded the string parts and when i pulled it back up to start working on it again to finish it hearing the raw tracks of the strings with the raw tracks of my piano wow it's like the earth stopped spinning and it was just so moving to hear the emotion that they brought to it and i can tell you in the studio it was like one take they just immediately they have such a camaraderie and chemistry together because they they play together 40 hours a week so they had that but they're such professionals they i told them what i was looking for and of course i had it on sheet music and they just nailed it and i i remember in the studio saying okay let's do one or two more takes just because we're supposed to <laughs> but that was perfect <laughs> The sense of viewer music and hearing it that way and being moved by it, then do you get insights about what you could do, what you'd like to do to even deepen that sense of the way you conceive music and the way you are thinking about it vis-a-vis listeners? Yeah, I, I actually, from the very beginning of writing the songs... And feeling like they've come to a point of completion because <laughs> they never feel totally complete. I never really envisioned them as being packaged one way. So it's not necessarily, you know, working with musicians of that caliber that give me that sense. But it's like from the very beginning, I, I view my pieces as living organisms that in, in one sense are not completed until they're performed and then they're only completed in that moment that they are performed in a in a particular room in front of a particular group of people. But then in another sense, I also enjoy the process of arranging and composing. And so, you know, coming up for the Fringe Festival, these pieces I'm going to be performing, many of them I wrote a long time ago, and including the, the string parts for them. And so I've revisited all that years later <laughs> with all the experience I've gained and skills I've gained. And they're just like, taking on a totally new form. And I mean, I really enjoy just taking, even on my own, someday I hope to start releasing other alternate versions of them, totally repackaging them. Like maybe even not even using the piano, using a different instrument, a guitar maybe, or just strings or electronics or things like that. Because I think a piece of music is just, it's a story, at least, at least I try to make my music stories and there's different facets when they're packaged differently that you see. And so, in a sense, you're only getting one side of the story from the one recording that I have, or from one performance. And so you see different sides of the story when you repackage them differently, or you, you perform it again, or you play it with different musicians or something. In talking about stories, you tell us on your website that you were reading a book by Chaim Potak, and that it spoke to you right straight 
through into deeply into your heart and soul. What about the relationship between that book or literature or paintings and what you're composing? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, I I love to read. It's another thing I've always enjoyed doing, and literary fiction in particular has always captured my attention. Other forms of art, I'm just getting into. You know, you mentioned other forms of art. I'm just now starting to get into visual forms, and uh, I mean, movies have always affected me. I think anybody who's an artist or introspective to any degree is affected by those things. But in particular, literary fiction, I think, deeply affects me more than most forms of art um, because I feel like it gets at the truth (laughs) more deeply than like a nonfiction book does and certainly captures your imagination more than a nonfiction book does. And Kyan Potok's writings in particular do that more so than any other author for me because I think there's a parallel between our our, our lives in the sense that, you know, I grew up in a very religious, conservative Christian home, and his whole life was spent in a Jewish conservative home and then life and work, and he was a rabbi. And he writes a lot about the, he writes a lot about that. He writes a lot about Jewish childhood and growing up and Orthodox Jewishness in particular. And I think there's enough distance from you know Christianity and Judaism, that there was something there for me to like really glean from and capture my attention, but yet enough similarity that I immediately identified with it. And so his his writings just they really grip me. And um, there's one book in particular in the beginning. It's not his most well known book, but that one in particular just I read it. You know, it's a, it's a story about a kid David who grows up in very difficult circumstances and it's a story about growing up and it's it's called in the beginning and the first line of the book is all beginnings are hard which is where i drew the title the first song that i released and where the title of the show comes from and i read that book in a season where i was growing up again <laughs> as an adult i was sort of reinventing myself and i had lost a lot and to be in a season where I felt like I had kind of lost everything and was trying to rebuild, I read that book, and it just, I mean, I've read it multiple times since, and it's still, you know, it, it reaches the same place that, like, Olaf Arnold's music does. And and so, when you know, when I read a book like that, I have to sit at the piano and process it. And that's where the song, All Beginnings Are Hard, came from. I, I read the book, and then I sat down at the piano, and that came out. Did reading the book, in addition to touching you deeply and then sitting down at the keyboard and bringing music out of it, did it help you with that reinvention or that reprocessing, would you say, in any way? Did you find yourself making some decisions or whatever and thinking, oh, David did that or something? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if, if sitting down at the piano and and processing in that way gives me insight into a dis- decision. It's I think it's more for me getting out what I don't know how to get out any other way, which then clears my mind to and my it sort of settles my emotions because I get them out. I get they're heard. <laughs> they feel like they can they can go back home now because they've been heard. 
which then, you know, gives me the clarity of mind to then have an insight into a decision or into a situation or something. When were you first impelled to go to the keyboard having read his book? Well, it was during reading it and then more during reading it and then more during and then when I was finished with the book, I still, <laughs> you know, lots of books have moved me deeply but his in particular just really more so than others. And so they stick with me. And I think in a lot of ways, after I've read a Kaim Potok book, it's with me for a while. Uh, it's with me for a few weeks or months. And in a sense, I think a lot of my creativity after that is in some, to some degree flowing from it. How do you think about the people you want to hear your music? I... Um... I would really like Scranton in particular and Northeast PA more generally to listen, <laughs> which sounds <laughs> maybe in a sense arrogant because I'm saying I want a lot of people to listen. <laughs> but no, what I mean by that is the, the music that I've written that I'll be performing at the Scranton Fringe Festival was written in a season of time in my life, which was, as as we've already mentioned, a season of losing a lot and having to reinvent myself. And I think that is the story of Northeast PA and Scranton, my home, in particular right now. Scranton and Northeast PA has lost everything in a sense with the loss of, of coal and railroad and steel and all of that. And it's looking to reinvent itself. And I think a lot of times music is viewed as something that's um, either just supposed to numb us or distract us from the harder things in life. You know, there's a lot of upbeat music and happy music that's meant to just get us in a good mood, or it's functional music. It's meant to dance to or be used in a church service or a funeral or a political event or something like that. But I don't think there's a lot of place in most people's lives for music that fits maybe a third category, which is, which is what we've talked about, reaching a part of our souls that we tend to want to suppress and not give voice to or not think about, you know, maybe the sad parts or the mad parts or the anxious parts or, or the melancholic parts or the drab parts, whatever, what have you. And just acknowledge honestly where we're at, how we feel, what it's like, where we're going, where we could go, who we have, how how we got here, you know, things like an honest assessment of the present and just being there. Just set it just sit there. <laughs> and just from that place then, that place of honesty, then being able to reassess a path forward together. You talked about reading the book and then going to the keyboard and reading the book and going back to the keyboard. Oh, yeah. What would that have meant? Now, okay. we're here with the keyboard. So what would yeah. that have meant? I actually remember the moment very well when, for the song All Beginnings Are Hard, I, I remember the moment well when I started writing that. I had finished reading a portion of In the Beginning by Kaim Potok, and it was a day that I was particularly depressed. And it was the morning, I was sitting on the couch, I finished reading and just you know deeply moved by the story of the book and how much it was speaking for me and what I was feeling having come into that reading session. 
and everybody else was gone. I was alone in the house. So I, I just set the book down. I went over to the piano and I remember I didn't have much energy or strength. I just sort of put my hands on the keyboard and I remember a kind of like rolling figure coming out. So it, was, it would have been something like, you know, almost uh, Moonlight Sonata-ish. <laughs> something like that. Uh, C minor is one of my favorite keys. I naturally, if I'm in a dark mood, I naturally just start noodling in C minor. And so, and then I remember my hands just sort of going to these notes that weren't in the chords. Like, so the. like that and I thought oh that's odd <laughs> I don't normally do that I think for musicians or any artist to get themselves into a flow state where their left brain checks out and they're and they're working more intuitively is a hard place to get to and I know in that moment that I was just sort of in that place immediately because I was sitting at the piano with nobody else hearing it and just sort of feeling all the feels and so my fingers just started going to a place where my left brain wasn't getting in the way saying that's the wrong note that's not in the chord and i just remember resonating with the sound of it and i just kept going with it and then it just felt right it felt like oh that's what i'm feeling right now and then i just kept noodling with it and then i went to work and did some things and then would come back to the piano and pick up on that idea and you know just start developing it more and get to like a which is a little bit more optimistic sounding and eventually over the course of I'd say just a few days I had something that felt complete to me <laughs> and then you know the end of the song it goes back to the opening theme, but with different chords. And it almost is optimistic, but not quite. <laughs> and it kind of ends the song in a place of, you know, if, if the song is telling the story that all beginnings are hard, that growing up is filled with things like scraped knees and growing pains and things like that, that there is a direction that you're heading and there is development and there are things that do get better. You do learn lessons and you do grow, but you're always kind of starting over and there's always things to learn and there's always growing pains. And so there is somewhat of a light at the end of the tunnel, but not quite, you know. So I felt that that was like a, a, a nice way to end the song. You know, it doesn't have a clean pretty little bow wrapped on top, but it does have a little bit of optimism put in. What did you do with it then? Uh, I played it a lot <laughs> because, you know, it was speaking for me in those moments. And, and then I took it to my studio and just recorded it. So, you know, I was starting to move on from just the piano. I was laying down the piano part and then experimenting with, you know, the string parts and sound design and, you know, plugins that I would use for different effects. And at that point, for me, in any song that I write, that becomes then the experimental stage where 
I just start having fun and I become like my son in his bedroom playing with Legos or with some kind of craft where I just start exploring and I just see what options I have and letting my ear guide me along or some crazy creative idea and just exploring it and seeing what happens. It also depends on how much time I have in any given session for that. But I remember at that point too, as I'm, as I'm hearing the piano do this, I'm hearing a melody sit over top of it, which would have been the I have to remember it now. <laughs> it's the melody that the viola plays. And that's it. Not much of a singer. So that's the melody then that I, I heard sitting over top of all that movement. And it's one of my favorite things to do, especially with strings, is to let them take the longer lines. Because, you know, when you play a piano, you're, you have a hammer that strikes a string. But on a, on a string instrument, you have a bow. And as long as the string is making sound, it's making sound because somebody's drawing a bow across it. And if you give them a long note, they can make that note speak the entire time it's sounding. And so I like to give them the speaking moments, those long speaking moments. Yeah, and then the strings, for most of the song, other than those in what I might call the verses of the song, are just adding more textural reinforcement type sounds. They just reinforce what the piano's doing. But yeah, and then there's, there's other sounds in there. I'm trying to remember, they all get fuzzy, all the songs. But I think there's some Mellotron buried in there, and there's lots of reverb that I'm treating in different ways so it doesn't become overbearing. But then there's some synthesizer in there creating some ambient pads, and then there's a low synth that only if you're listening on the right speakers you'll hear. It's creating a real low foundation uh, that kind of comes in and out, adds some dynamic contrast as well. And then there's a synth that comes in really, really, really high later in the song. And um, my thinking there was just as the song progresses and the dynamics grow and the the emotion of the song grows a composer has in his toolbox not just dynamics and not just notes to play with but he also has frequencies and so i expand the frequencies as the song grows to its climax so the lows get lower and then i introduce the synth that's like in the stratosphere of the frequencies to expand it out, whereas at the beginning it's just piano and it's all mid-range. Now what will we hear at the Scranton Fringe Festival? Any approximation of what you've just described? What makes me really excited about that is I won't have all of those tools. It's going to be very intimate and in a sense it kind of goes back to the things about Oliver Arnold's music that affected me was the simplicity and the rawness and the humanness. I think that's going to be featured at these shows because it will just be piano and strings. There's no electronics. There's no click tracks that we're playing along with. There's no backing tracks. It's just us in a room where I think everybody will be able to hear it without amplification. There might be some just to make sure everything is heard, but it will hopefully be very minimal and everybody will be able to hear it. They'll hear the scratching of the bow against the string and they'll hear the hammers hitting, physically hitting the strings and the creaking of the piano bench as I rock as I play. Whom did you draw together to be your string players? The Valenches, 
trio quartet. Actually, I'm using three of their players. So it'll be Leah, her daughter, and their cellist. And I have another cellist that's subbing in for one of the shows. But yeah, they were excited to be a part of it, and I'm excited to have them a part of it. The title is All Beginnings Are Hard, and then you will give us a number of pieces in a suite, a medley. They're all individual songs that each tell a story of their own that all come together to tell a, a larger story that All Beginnings Are Hard. So the way I've structured it, sewn together the stories, if you will. They'll come across as like chapters in a story, and some of the chapters will flow one into another, be very seamless. Some will give you a breather in between. I tried to create a a nice linear flow to the experience. It's about an hour long of a show where, you know, there's ebbs and flows and there's ups and downs. And uh, it should, I hope, feel very much like you're entering into a story that is unfolding and hopefully that you're experiencing along with everybody else in the room. And give us the place and the times we can attend. It will be in the junior ballroom of the Scranton Cultural Center uh, before shows. All shows are the same show with the only exception that the Saturday afternoon will be piano only. So the strings will not be joining me for that one, which is a very special thing in its own way. It's forcing me to you know, rearrange the songs to be more intimate. And it's, I'm really looking forward to that, you know, that exercise and that experience. The first show will be Friday, September 29th at 8.30 p.m., and then Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m., then Saturday night at 8.30 p.m., and then Sunday, October 1st, 2 p.m. Now, if people have been intrigued by what we've been saying, how do we hear your music? I'm on social media. Uh, Instagram and YouTube are my most active platforms. Just look up my name, Zach Sprouls. I have a website with more information about the music I've released, and it's on streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you go. Uh, the best place to keep in touch with me, if you want to follow what I'm doing, is my email list, and there's links to join that everywhere. Zach Sprouls, a Scranton-based pianist and composer who creates his own music and also writes for theater and film. He is taking part in the 2023 Scranton Fringe Festival, and he'll present a show titled All Beginnings Are Hard, Piano and Live String Trio, and that will take place at the Scranton Cultural Center September 29th, 30th, and October 1st in the Junior Ballroom. The shows are... September 29th at 8.30 p.m., the 30th at 2 and 8.30, and October 1st at 2 p.m. For more information and tickets, zacksprowls.com slash shows. zacksprowls.com slash shows, Z-A-C-H-S-P-R-O-W-L-S dot com slash shows.
Zach Sprouse performing here at the WVIA radio studio. We heard that performance in connection with a conversation we just had anticipating the Scranton Fringe Festival and his presentation, a show titled All Beginnings Are Hard. He'll be the pianist and the Valencia String Trio will be joining Zach and there will be performances in the Junior Ballroom at the Scranton Cultural Center on Friday, September 29th at 8.30 p.m., the 30th at 2 at 8.30, and October 1st at 2 p.m. For more information and tickets, zacksprowls.com slash shows, S-P-R-O-W-L-S, zacksprowls.com slash shows. <laughs> 